0: Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Bigfoot Learning Podcast. the podcast that does not focus on the fictional creature of Bigfoot, but on learning, especially from those who have stepped into our lives, leaving lessons on our minds. I am your host, Monica Toos. This episode is a first for the show. Tyler Schmidt was previously a guest on episode 5, which focused on learning from risks in life and the different opportunities that come along your way, and that you make yourself. About a month ago, Tyler returned to join the show as the first returning guest, this time to share about his thoughts on learning from change, video games, and Star Wars. Now, for the episode itself. will say I've really enjoyed re-listening to the first time you were on, because, like, for one thing, going back from, like, notes, and then also listening over that episode, like, oh, it's about almost exactly two years since the first one. And uh, being able to just re-listen to that episode and I know part of like your definition of learning for there was learning is additive and we touched on the different opportunities that you created and took those leaps of faith in order to have risk in life work to in your favor and kind of got hit a bunch of different areas along the way but going back to the learning is additive for there Tyler if you go into your time machine you go to Tyler of 2021 what advice or Lessons would you share with that, Tyler?
1: Hmm. <laughs> the time, the good old time machine question. Maybe, maybe this is the first place that I can derail you off this topic, but I feel like I've gone through bigger time machine. Two years isn't a lot, a lot of time to go back in time, but I feel like if you go back in time and you give past you advice. It ruins the future because then you're going to take your life in a different direction and the current you wouldn't be at the place you are. So if you're happy at the place you are, I think going back in time is a dangerous thing. I just want to start off by saying that, I'm not sure I would give myself advice necessarily because I think past Tyler needed to learn those, not necessarily the hard way. It's not like I had any huge like falls from grace or anything, but. (laughs) i think in general giving yourself fast advice is dangerous so i just want to i want to caveat all of this with that that if you do get in fact get a time machine and you have the opportunity to go back uh proceed with caution because i think you may not end up at the point that you think you're going to end up but do
0: not go in the delorean
1: yes don't do you it is the question exactly so i think really like if we're, if we're looking at this through the lens of like things that I've learned in the past two years, uh, mm-hmm. obviously the first time we talked was like, Hey, what was the, all your learnings from the first 28 years of your life? And what now it's like, what are the learnings from two years of your life? Uh, there isn't quite as much that I have to offer, but I think the things that are happening in my life all have to do around the topic of change and, being accepting of things in the universe and also letting go of things. Uh, The past two years have been, uh, I don't know if I want to say hectic, eventful, like big years of my life. Uh, I bought a house. I got married, which you were at the wedding for, for anybody who doesn't know Monica personally, she was the life of the party. She's a real party animal. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so I, I got married, bought a house. Things are, Things are moving along in life, and I think that it's a very human thing as things move along for uh, for people to go through like midlife crises, or you know, you hear that all the time that people are having trouble moving on at like big points in their life. And I don't think I've had that trouble necessarily. Like I'm not going through a crisis, but those things are definitely happening <laughs> now as I get older and as things are like truly starting to change. Um, so that's been interesting. Like, here's an example. I've been joking that it's called the 29th year. Once you hit this year, you just suddenly become your parents. You suddenly become an adult all at once. Like, I've just been noticing that things that I got joy from in the past, like, you know, when I was eight years old, I could play video games for eight hours a day, just every day, eight hours a day. And now I could barely play for an hour without getting bored of it. You know, there's just things that I used to do that I used to take a lot of enjoyment from that. I don't get that enjoyment from anymore and I'm getting enjoyment from different things in life, like projects around the house. You know, I helped build a little bed frame for an antique bed frame and I thought that was the coolest thing. And it's just like this, these realizations that, you know, I don't have those same places I can go for comfort and that those things are changing and it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think is something that I'm going through. Maybe not a challenge or something that I'm like learning because I, I think on the previous episode, we talked a lot about uh, being comfortable being uncomfortable. So that's something that I'm already used to, which has helped me a lot, but it is definitely weird. It's this visceral reaction in me where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm different. Like I just I'm interested in different things now. So that's that's one of those things. I don't know if you want to take a quick pause to talk about any of that before I name another one or two, but I'll let you decide. <laughs> I'm talking too much.
0: Oh, you're you're all good. I something that did come to mind while you're sharing that is that is something that's difficult because, like, yeah, we're not going to necessarily have that exact same potential enjoyment level of some of the things that we like at some points, and then seeing even just like, oh, maybe that's just been reduced to like, less time until that boredom hits or it's something completely different and seeing, like, okay, what's this, what's this point in my life going to provide in terms of, like, in a way, enjoyment, but, like, just things you want to do and kind of, like, seeing how... I know a, a few guests prior focus on like authenticity and i feel like that kind of rings true with what you're sharing right here of like or it isn't necessarily that like you're not authentic tyler because you're not playing as much video games as before but that authenticity that reflects who you are is just different looking now because you're at a different point in your life
1: yeah i think in that view like the authenticity that you're talking about is very much the canary in the coal mine where once those two things like who you are and who you are projecting, once, the, once those two things are not in alignment anymore, that's when you kind of need to shift yourself a little bit to, to match up with uh who you are and who the authentic you is. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point.
0: So you mentioned you uh, had a few more that you could like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So along with that goes like letting go of things. And this is something I've been pretty good at for a while because I've had to move myself across the country a few times. So I'm pretty accustomed to just throwing out things that once had a lot of meaning to me. <laughs> so I'm pretty good at letting go by now, but I just see it more in like my interactions with other people more than anything who maybe aren't quite as skilled at letting things go or, or moving on or not holding so much value into certain things. Uh, I just I've noticed that people have very specific views of how life should go, how things should be, how i want things to be, this is my perfect life, this is my perfect family. um this is how i expect things to go. here's my plan a to, a to b, a to z through life of how things are going to go or how i think I, I want things to go. and i just think life is such a mess <laughs> that like you're very un- you're very unlikely to just get all of those things. Like, you know, for you, obviously you've been through quite a journey as well. Like in high school, you probably wouldn't have picked exactly where you are at in life right now. You wouldn't have been able to guess that. So I think it's, it's dangerous for people to get in this mindset of if this doesn't happen, I'm unhappy because things change so much day to day, hour to hour. That if you really pick things that you need to happen or you want to happen or you put all this value into certain things, you're really setting yourself up for some disappointment in life if you really have these high expectations of certain events. So, I don't know. I guess my lesson there is just to go with the flow. And, you know, if the universe is pushing you in a direction, maybe it's easier to just go with the flow instead of swimming against the current. But, yeah, life is just Really crazy. And I think that's just a generational thing, too, that is going to happen until the end of time, where, you know, ki- generations of kids grow up and you do not have the exact same set of values as your parents did. Just like your parents didn't have the same set of values as their parents did. And there's always these small little changes that happen generation to generation. And I think the quicker you can realize that these things are like natural forces that are happening, that you can be okay. Like, you know, when I have kids, I have the understanding right now, I'm going to have to keep reminding myself this every year, that they are going to not be the same as me in some various set of ways. Their values are going to be slightly different than mine. They're not going to be clones of me. And that's okay for things to not be the way that you think they're going to be. You know, these expectations that we set for ourselves and others are just, mostly unlikely to come true so I think just accepting people where they're at and accepting their authentic selves is the best thing you can do just you know like in all things just staying flexible and being able to adapt to whatever situations come just will make everybody (laughs) so much happier in the long term because I'm sure you're you know you have parents everybody has parents everybody's parents has certain expectations for them but I don't know, what if we lived in a world without such high expectations? Or, you know, what if we were just able to accept everybody as they are? And I don't know, these are things that I think about a lot now, about like, these different expectations, like, what, what will my kids do that will, you know, get under my nerves, or that I'll be like, God, I wish they would just do this instead, or, you know, and how can I be okay with a lot of those things that, maybe naturally maybe my first inclination isn't like oh this isn't okay you know but for their entire generation maybe it is okay <laughs> and sure, maybe i'm just yeah. getting old so that's that's me rambling about <laughs> being accepting of change <laughs> your thoughts
0: <laughs> no i feel like those are fair thoughts to have especially like you don't know what it will be like in the future in terms of like going off of your kids example of like okay like what what even would they want to do and like even go into like interests, but then also maybe like even values or like what their passion dreams are and just like approaching life like those may be slightly different since they're generation may be at have different commonalities or like actually I'm gonna hold back a little I think it's great to hear that you're keeping all of those in mind because expectations can be good in a way like it's something that's like can be similar to goals but at the same time expectations if they're not met then they have that like fallback of like oh like this is the end of the world or like this isn't great like or how dare you or like different things and so like being very careful with any expectations that we do have and then that they don't impact others like you're already keeping in mind and like okay how how can you harness that not only for yourself, but then for others in your family and then friends, people you interact with? And uh, that last time we spoke over the pod, one of the things you touched on was being kind to others and how, you know, you don't know what others are going through. You don't know what in the future may be going on. And so, you know, even having that kindness when approaching expectations or keeping that flexibility, like even with the flexibility and going the flow, like having that kindness along the way.
1: Yeah, I think it also goes into like the idea of unconditional love, where I think a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I love my kids unconditionally, or, you know, I love this unconditionally or that unconditionally. But do you? <laughs> and I, I'm, I swear, this is not like I'm not talking about my own personal family life. This is me just talking about in general about me witnessing the world uh, from where I'm at. But, you know, if if you have a list of things in mind for anyone in your life, that is like, oh, if, this, if they did this, I wouldn't approve or, you know, I couldn't, I'd have to cut contact with them or this or that, or if they were this way or that way, like you really don't love them unconditionally. <laughs> you love them conditionally. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> on certain terms. So that's just something too, that I've been thinking, like trying to better myself before I have kids is that like, what, what could my kids do that would make me stop loving them? And of course, these are all hypotheticals because I don't have children yet. But I don't know. I just, I just think through that kind of stuff. Like, what could, what would stop me from loving them? What would, what would make me think that they weren't successful? And just trying to reshape my mind to whatever that could entail. Because obviously, like, yeah, you said, like, expectations aren't necessarily a bad thing in and of themselves. Like I want my kids to be successful and to pursue their dreams and to have the best education they can and be open-minded and all those things. But you know, that can vary a lot. Like I want them to be the best versions of themselves. So what if, you know, what if they work a nine to five at McDonald's, am I going to love them less for that? You know, just like going through that, like what is success? What is Mm -hmm. unconditional love? Like, what would be a life choice that they could pick that would make me not like them? (laughs) And I'm trying to eliminate as many of those in my mind as possible uh, ahead of time, because I think a lot of people get hung up on just weird things like that, you know, where their kids don't go in one direction or they don't go in this direction or they are a certain way. But I'm trying to like figure all those things out ahead of time and like try and predict the future of what could happen because Lord knows that like I said, every generation of kids has some type of conflict with their parents. And I'm trying to get ahead of the curve and try to be like, as open minded to anything that happens as possible. Uh, So like I said, expectations are not (laughs) disappointed that I'm not unhappy with the way things have turned out. I want to be as flexible as possible.
0: Oh, that's really admirable. Like you're trying to be proactive on that for the different variables that you don't know what exactly will happen but could possibly happen and yeah and just show up for your hypothetical future kids <laughs> um, <laughs> as best as you can wow. so I think like you've been having a lot of just like I don't know if I would I guess that would be kind of like existential thoughts but like for yourself, but then also for, I'm going to describe it the same way, hypothetical future kids. Um,
1: Yeah. It's uh, luckily I'm to the point where I'm not the one falling into the traps. Like I did through the, you know, first 28 years of my life where it was like learning by mistakes and just, you know, ramming my head through walls mm -hmm. and And now it's like, I'm watching people around me fall into pits (laughs) and I'm like, Ooh, don't want to do that one. Okay. Not going to do that one. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get ahead of the curve and just see how other people are interacting with the world in ways that give them joy and (laughs) people interacting with very avoidable things in the world that make them unhappy. (laughs) And I'm trying not to do those same things, or I'm trying to, I don't know, try to copy other people's happiness or, you know avoid other people's mistakes the best i can
0: there you go a little observe by learning i can resonate with that a bit it's and trying to yeah pull those pieces of either what to avoid or what you'd want to avoid or maybe like um also do but like um but no that's I mean it's definitely different, like you said, compared to like having to experience those fallbacks or different situations that you have encountered first twenty eight years of your life and now trying to like okay see how you can still learn but also kind of just seeing from others around you a bit more, using them as like your main means of learning.
1: Yeah, it's uh, uh, another thing that happened these last two years. I also finished my master's degree, so that's another crazy exactly. one. But anyways, yeah, it's a little humble brag. But one of the courses in there, there's a book that we had as one of our assigned courses. I'm sure it was $300 plus. Um, And it was, it, what was it called? It was like the ropes to know and the ropes to avoid or something like that. You know, like the, the, there's the expression, show you the ropes. And mm-hmm. it's basically just A set of workplace stories and like things that you can learn from them across somebody, you know, a fictional character who is like an intern. And then like by the, like the, the 30th chapter is like they're the CEO or something. And it's just like, things that you could run into in the workplace and it's like basically just story after story of this person making an ass of themselves in a corporate setting and that's that reminds me what we're talking about like here here are the here's this guy like being shown the ropes maybe you shouldn't do these things or maybe here's how you should handle it that's just that's reminding me of that
0: <laughs> all right we've start off so far pretty existential and deep and hypothetical a little bit um we're going to shift a little bit and get a little nerdy if you're all right with that
1: that's that's where i inhabit is the nerd, okay, the nerd cool, zone. Cool,
0: cool. <laughs> all right i know you shared that you know in the past you could play many hours of video games at a time now that's started to dwindle a little bit not as much time uh like in one sitting well just like thinking of video games and uh, all the different narratives or thoughts that and opinions people may have on video games yeah uh, some may say like oh like may look down on playing video games or like say like video games are negative for people to be doing. And what would you say, Tyler in defense of video games in terms of like, what are some benefits of playing video games and having that as a part of your life?
1: Um, I think to start off video games can a lot of the time be an escapism Uh, just like other people throughout history have found, you know, literature or whatever it might be, walking through nature, (laughs) different ways to like get away from their life for a little bit. I think that's what video games provide people, at least to start with, is a is another world to inhabit. Uh, you know, movies, I suppose, could be another escapism. Um, but there's also a lot of different benefits you can get from playing video games. So I'll start from the beginning of my history with video games. So. Uh, Spyro the Dragon is something that I used to play quite a bit as a child. Um, before I could read, this is like pre, pre-K pre Tyler playing Spyro the Dragon on PlayStation 1. Um, but Spyro the Dragon had captions that you'd play with that you could see the character's dialogue. And it highlighted the dialogue as the characters were speaking them. So I often credit Spyro the Dragon with teaching me how to read because I was watching the characters speak as the words were being spelled out for me. So, you know, I basically came into, you know, kindergarten, first grade with, you know, knowing a lot of vocabulary words that were probably ahead of, ahead of my grade. So I, I don't know how many rated E games there are anymore, like a of the Dragon that could offer a similar uh, effect to people, but that's just one example of like, you know, something that taught me things. But on top of that, you know, a lot of games have different puzzle solving mechanics in them. Um, Any type of game, you might think of something violent, like a Tomb Raider or an Uncharted. But half the game is shooting and the other half is literally solving puzzles. (laughs) So moving this big rock over here, trying to figure out you got these five keys, which one goes in here based on the context clues. So I think that there's a lot of problem solving elements, too, that you can find within video games and Uh, Those are definitely skills that I appreciate a lot. I'm one of the few people who would say I enjoy math. Everybody else is like, oh, my God, I hate math. But one of the bedrock fundamentals of math is just problem solving. So maybe if you were more involved in problem solving at a young age, maybe that would be something that would interest you more. Also, sidebar, I think math is horribly taught (laughs) in schools. That's not even even a common core thing. I I don't know anything about common core, but. I just think that the way we teach it is not great and great it, but that's a whole different can of worms. If you want another hour podcast, I'll talk about math. <laughs> but but yeah, problem solving. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you wanna if you wanna turn maybe your goofiest guest into the most dry guest of all time, then we can do a math podcast.
0: <laughs> I can just be your entry for TED Talk is unless your TED talk focus would be something else, but I could be your I don't know exactly how TED Talk submissions are put through, but like I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. I we could probably get near an hour about me just going on a tangent about math. We really could. Um <laughs> anyways, this isn't about math, but yeah, problem solving skills. Problem solving skills are great. Um things that didn't exist when I was younger, uh, esports. So that's something that I follow pretty closely. I watch League of Legends esports, uh so i got a bunch of team jerseys, very, very into that, um, but it could be a career now. So those are those players. Mm-hmm. I think the salary minimum is $300,000 a year. So, you know, the top players in the league are making million dollars a year. So if you are very skilled at a game, which I certainly am not, Uh, that could be a career path for you and there are also a lot of you know cool marketing type jobs that are available as well as coaching jobs available in the esports space i know a lot of colleges are very into esports now and are building esports labs and things like that and i I do believe it will eventually enter the high school space where you'll see more of that that type of stuff so uh, i think that is something too on the horizon that could be a thing like you could see like (laughs) high school sports (laughs) but esports so Who knows what the future has to hold, but uh, that's also something that happens. Uh, Within eSports, though, you have competitiveness. So, you know, a lot of kids who maybe didn't play sports, weren't in band, didn't do any type of extracurricular activities in school. Maybe you'd look at those people and say, oh, you didn't participate. You're not competitive. You don't have that drive. But uh, there are other avenues for things like drive and competitiveness, and gaming is one of those things. Uh, maybe they get online with their friends and play Call of Duty at the end of every night, and they're all really competitive and they want to win. They want to be the best. Maybe it's League of Legends. Maybe it's Rocket League, where they just want to be the best they can be. Could be a lot of different things, but you know, again, to the start of this conversation, just different outlets for people to express themselves and to you know, have that same competitiveness that maybe a high school athlete would have towards basketball, but maybe it just manifests in a different way and they're able to use a different outlet for that. So I think it's beneficial for maybe some marginalized people who never, you know, could make the starting basketball roster or, or had no interest in it to also be able to develop those types of skills and competition. And yeah, I think that's about all I have on my initial ramble about the the topic. We'll see if anything else comes up over the rest of our conversation but yeah i think that's what i got for you
0: with their yeah as using the perspective more so of like seeing it as another outlet for people and then seeing like how there's sometimes it's not always easy to see like some of those like, talents of others or, like, what they're interested in or what they may be good at when it's something that hasn't been necessarily promoted compared to, like, using the high school example. Like, you got band, you got whatever your respective sport is, and that can show competitiveness. But then also seeing that those aren't the only places where, like, you can be competitive or, like... Build a foundation of patience with problem solving with different puzzles that the games are giving you. And then maybe that helps out later on for just patience with problem solving to get to imaginary numbers or something that, you know, seeing, I guess, more so like how you were highlighting there, like the latent benefits of like how. Some of those aspects of video games in the past haven't been necessarily heralded in a way, but like now they're starting to be that shift and trying to see, like, okay, like now there could be opportunities to like play video games for a career, or you mentioned like coaching or like different things that maybe you're not a player, but like you can have a connection still with video games and be able to like still have a chance to work with something you love and enjoy doing and see where that takes you a little bit.
1: Yeah. No, it's it's a hundred percent accurate. And you know, with the esports side, you know, you have team skills too, teamwork. Uh, a lot of these games are five-person teams. So being able to communicate effectively with other people, strengths and weaknesses, knowing how to carry the team, knowing how to be carried by the team, which is also a very important skill. You know, you look at like basketball, for an example, you might be the best player on the team, but if you're on an off night and you can't shoot where the shit and you're missing all your shots, probably shouldn't have the ball. Right. And being carried is a skill. If you think you're such a hot shot but you miss all your shots, pass the ball. Give, you know bring somebody else in get more involved in the team play like you don't always have to be the one shooting the baskets so there's a lot of the skills like that too that translate over um i did think of a couple more <laughs> skills perhaps uh so another thing is creativity through video games so you think of big games like uh, roblox which i actually know nothing about <laughs> and minecraft which I know a little bit about, but uh, those are ways where you, you look online and people have built like scale models of entire cities and things. And that's a really cool way for people to have creative outlets, um, STEM programs. So uh, what I'm really big into, you know, as I get older and I care less about competitive gaming uh, are big role-playing games, uh, big worlds, decisions, relationships, things like that. But a lot of these games have very robust modding communities. So people can go in, they can create their own additions to the game, their own characters. So a lot of people you know, can learn basic levels of coding, programming, uh, because it's something they're passionate about. If they're into gaming, they might have more skin in the game. They might be more interested to learn those types of skills. And that can lead into other career interests down the line, whether it is things like 3d modeling or, uh, programming. So I think it's got a lot of good avenues that way to, uh, to get people interested in things that, you know, (laughs) aren't video games. Like, you know, I think video games, like you were mentioning have kind of a bad rap for being unproductive or waste of time, but they can be a good way to channel people's creativity through whether it is programming or art or whatever it is and get people interested. Uh, The last one I'll say, uh, speaking of the last, is The Last of Us, very, very, very popular HBO Max show right now. I think it's their second biggest show of all time, if I'm not mistaken, right behind Game of Thrones, which means that a lot of people have watched it and a lot of people have really liked it. If you have not watched it, I would say go watch it. But that is a show that was a video game. Something of a video game that I would have said when it came out was probably the best video game of all time because it had a really, really strong narrative, uh, original story that was really powerful, had really great messages, and now it's one of the biggest shows of all time. So I think video games, you know, they get a bad rap for just being mindless killing or this or that, but there are a lot of really good narrative driven games that are out there right now. Uh, I know the God of War series probably is definitely in one of those violent video game categories that. Uh, lawmakers are trying to ban but there is a really good story at the heart of those games too so I don't know I think it is also just an additional medium like like books and like television movies that can be used to tell a really effective story so yeah
0: true I feel like growing up I didn't know as much in terms of like the Video games that have different narratives that are powerful and just like very well written in a storyteller lens. That, uh, that's something that I've started to notice and learn a little bit more of late. Partly and due to like the Last of Us, but like even hearing for God of War, Uncharted, like there's different things that are going on for or Red Dead redemption 2, like this I've had an experience to me that for I believe for all of those but if not almost all of those like you could simply like watch the cutscenes or like watch the gameplay on YouTube and it would be as if you're watching a movie in a way but it's That vessel of a video game that's giving you this story that's been master masterfully put together, and like you have to go through making decisions that can impact different outcomes. And now that that's an area that I think is pretty fascinating, and I hope continues to like get more traction especially like with the success of the adaption of the last of us seeing like okay what other games may be having that similar track and like having it well done too and like seeing what i'm excited for the future of i enjoy stories as is so like seeing that there are so many in video game form that people May not necessarily know because they don't. They're not inclined necessarily play a video game and go through the many hours, possibly hundreds of hours, that some of those games need, and then be like, "Oh, well, now it's being done as a show, and it, being able to still be taken the those different stories that are out there that you know hold up really well." had a lot of thought put into them and yeah just having those shared a bit more I think is something that's pretty exciting and it'll be cool to see where that ends up going in the future and hopefully things are done well for stuff and you know but
1: yeah video games have been very notorious for having horrible adaptations made so (laughs) fingers crossed it's it's like one out of ten of them are actually end up being good so hopefully this is a good a good trend to be on for for video games being adapted into other mediums.
0: Hopefully. Well, then, shift a little bit. One of the... was the only fictional Bigfoot you shared last time was Yoda. And so today, what I wanted to kind of... approach because i don't necessarily i still want to keep in mind though like you know don't want to spoil anything but also at the same time like in a way give appreciation to other now it sounds like i'm kind of like bashing yoda he's still up there but like there's so many different characters that are in the whole star wars universe that I wanted to pick your brain a little bit in terms of who would you say are, like, three to five characters. You can't use Yoda because you already use them. Um, but that you would also say that, like, oh, like, either they may have shared some golden nuggets of wisdom, kind of like Yoda, or maybe just, like, how their character arc was. And different things, or like maybe they just had like a short story within one of the shows, or like different or some of the movies, or I don't know as much, I'll be honest, in terms of like the different Star Wars books. But if there are any in there as well that you're like, oh, like it would be helpful, or someone that you would like to share from any of those areas.
1: Oh, I'm trying to think of ones that would be positive role models.
0: <laughs> you can put some Sith ones if you want.
1: Yeah, there's we're in a we're in a good era of Star Wars content right now. You know, talking about like how I could have a our podcast about math, uh, we could talk forever about Star Wars because that's definitely probably my deepest knowledge pool out of anything that I know about is Star Wars. I read all the books, read most of the comics. I'm a little bit behind on the comics right now, but. I know quite a bit about Star Wars, uh, and we're in a good we're in a good era for Star Wars media. We got the Mandalorian out; people really like that. I think it's pretty good. Andor was weirdly good. Andor had no reason being that good, but it was really good. Uh, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of good things happening right now in Star Wars. I'm really happy with it. But let me think what what characters. What if can I take this question in a little bit of a different? thing in a different way i kind of want to talk about this new star wars media and it's in star wars history in the way that it correlates to real world events uh and maybe this is a little bit too politically charged for the podcast but uh star wars has been political ever since it was created um the empire versus the the rebellion uh george lucas was very Uh, against the vietnam war so you have a lot of correlation there ewoks versus the empire and now return of the jedi like you know superior military force versus like the native like there's a lot of political stuff in there uh you have the uh the iraq war where you know you have a lot of prequel stuff relating to that where you have additional powers being granted Uh, to the leader of the country during wartime. There's a lot of things going on there. Um, There's just a lot of really interesting little like political things. And I think that some of the new shows have had some really good ones. Um, If anybody is watching season three of the Mandalorian right now, I'm not going to spoil anything for you plot related, but uh, that story is covering a time period uh, after the original trilogy. So after the fall of the empire, And I think it has really, really interesting correlations if you're like a history buff to the reconstruction time in the United States. Uh, So for anybody unfamiliar, reconstruction is like post-Civil War. Like what happens when you have a country split down the middle? You know, one side wants some things. The other side wants some things. not going to get any deeper than that. But, uh, you know, can you just snap your fingers and say, guys, the war is over. The whole the whole world is healed. Does that work? And the answer is no. <laughs> that does not just work. You cannot just snap your fingers and end oppression. You cannot snap your fingers and fix the world and heal everything. And I think that the Mandalorian season three had this whole bottle episode that people were not super excited about because it didn't have enough Baby Yoda in it. But it was a really interesting examination of, okay, the empire is done now. Well, they're all just going to be in the new government now and everything's going to be cool. When in reality, the people who fought for that side are still have a lot of resentment and a lot of those issues were not resolved and they may end up festering up later, which if you've watched the newer trilogy, you have a whole, basically a neo-Nazi movement (laughs) that has sprung up with a bunch of disaffected people who never got over their hatred and their issues. And now that's springing up again. So it's just really interesting seeing this happen in star Wars and watching, you know, a faction lose a war and then still just hang out and still be there with their hatred and with their ideology and it never being addressed again. I just think that has a lot of really interesting real world examples like around reconstruction specifically. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. That's probably way deeper than this podcast needs to go, but what do you think?
0: <laughs> no, I, I appreciate you bringing that up because I feel like I, have briefly heard about those parallels and but I don't think I knew as much as what you just shared right there and uh, you know with that bottle episode it it made me think of like Andor a little bit that like yes there wasn't granted that was like a different time period but like you're seeing the everyday life of the people, besides necessarily, um, uh, like the major action that's going down that we typically think of and are like, oh, Star Wars, lightsaber ba- battle, yeah, they're dueling, um, which is awesome. But still, be able to like have that world building in terms of like seeing, okay, but what's everywhere else look like and like, oh, like what. What implications does all of this have? And then how it is, in a way, an analogy to real-life events is pretty interesting to hear. And, yeah, I feel like I just had another history lesson right here of just, like, (laughs) but using the Star Wars world as that lens right here.
1: Yeah, well, Andor is such an interesting one too, because Andor, like I said, it did not have any right to be as good as it was. But, and you know, for people who want lightsabers and Baby Odin and stuff, it's probably not necessarily for you. But, like you said, it's very grounded, it's a very real world thing that's happening. But it is so anti fascist and it's just like right in your face, anti fascist, that I was like, dang, Andor, like this, you're coming at us hard. But, that show is really good just to show the fragility of of fascism. And, you know, you can strong arm people and you can put on this, you know, big, bold face and have all this power, but it breaks pretty easily. You know, once the people rise up and once the people, you know, overthrow the oppression that they're under, like, I mean, you look at, look at France right now, how's France doing right. They superseded the government there to uh, lower the risk or, was it raised, raised the retirement age? I think from 62 to 64 and the entire country's on fire right now. There's garbage in the streets and the people are like, no man, we're not doing this. And you see how quickly things turn where, you know, maybe you're France, you're a first world country. You got this big military, you got all this stuff, but the people aren't happy. It's over with. And the the people mobilize and they get together and show their unhappiness. Like what's the government supposed to do about it? Right. The whole country is shutting down. And, I think Andor is a really powerful example of that, where you just have these simple people who are like bricklayers and the empire is oppressing their people. They're kidnapping their people. They're just trying to enforce the law just for the sake of enforcing the law. And eventually the people have had enough and the empire pretty quickly folds there and everybody's panicking and doesn't know what to do because it's all just this facade that they're putting on this facade of power. But you know, if the people do get together and just say, this isn't what we want, then the people have so much more power than you know the few people who are the you know the, the loudest minority of people so and or is really cool that way too
0: mm-hmm. well i know you mentioned that you've gone through like many of the star wars books and like some of the comics a little bit because i'm personally curious but maybe someone's listening and they also have the same question like, if there's so many star wars books out there right now if someone wants to try to get into some of those books like would there be any that you, you would recommend as like hey like start off with this one or like oh you like this era or something like start here um any books or comics of star wars that you would recommend as that first domino to get into the rest
1: yeah so i think most people who read star wars books would agree that lost stars uh i think it's a maybe it's a young adult novel that's probably the most broadly accessible novel that you could get into uh it's basically a classic romeo and juliet story that spans from before a new hope all the way through after return of the jedi so that's pretty cool it covers a lot of time periods you get to see famous characters pop in it's very accessible very readable classic story uh so that's an easy one uh otherwise it just really depends on why you would like star wars and what you'd be interested in uh if you like dog fights and you like x-wings and things uh there is the uh what is, what is that book series called let me look at my shelf i got a whole shelf of these books sitting right in front of me uh that is alphabet squadron has a trilogy of books Uh, if you like dogfights it's a really good one Uh, if you felt like the sequel trilogy was lacking you could go into Bloodline which covers the period just before the sequel trilogy starts talks about some of the politics you know how the galaxy can be so messed up (laughs) so quickly Uh, everything was seemingly fixed about all these like underground movements and you know political scandals that happen Um, who would have guessed that if you're uh, Leia and your dad was basically Space Hitler. That would be really bad on the political campaign if that was released. <laughs> your dad was Space Hitler. Not a good look. Um, so that's a good book for that. Uh, otherwise there is a new what is that called? Shadows of the Sith maybe? That follows uh, older Luke Skywalker and Lando. So if you also like huh. weren't super happy with the sequel trilogy that's one of those books that's kind of a, a builder <laughs> on top of that stuff. So uh, that can help uh, Pat out some enjoyment uh, let me think what else is a really good book to get you in I really like Catalyst it's a Rogue One story so if you liked Rogue One as much as I did Catalyst is basically the precursor to that so you get to see Jin Erso's family her dad her mom and what they were like growing up and kind of the struggles that they had being part of you know, what would our real world analogy be like? <laughs> the Nazi version of, uh, uh, what is that called? The nuclear bomb program, Manhattan Project, <laughs> mm. and escaping from that. Uh, so that's a really cool precursor to Rogue One. Um, but I think that's most of my book recommendations. Comics are, they're really, really, really hit and miss. A lot of misses on the comics. But if you wanted one series to check out, the, uh, second run of darth vader comics uh basically showcases from the moment he got all of his limbs cut off and became darth vader up until he becomes the darth vader that we all know and love from a new hope so you kind of get to see his journey as being this awkward disabled person in a suit <laughs> uh and kind of trying to figure himself his new self out into just being the you know kind of warlord that he becomes so uh, those are pretty good. And there's a lot of like very interesting flashbacks. Uh, you get into his psychology. You get to see like dreams he has, which is very interesting. Like, I don't know. It's that's a very interesting and artsy series that I think is really interesting. Dive into that character. But yeah, I think those are all my Star Wars book recommendations. Okay. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of recommendations.
0: That's quite all right. Well, while you're sharing those, we're gonna kind of combine some of the areas that we just touched on. Cause I know there are some Star Wars video games out there. Mm-hmm. Any of those that either were favorites for you or that like really stuck out? for you out of any of the star wars video games you played
1: yeah there you know there's not a lot of star wars video games but they're generally pretty good uh i played the original star wars battlefront 2 from 2005 endlessly as a child just over and over and over again just running around shooting droids and stuff uh The new games that are coming out, there's actually one coming out next month, uh, the Jedi Fallen Order series. So Jedi Fallen Order was really good. Talk about good narrative games. You know, half the game is uh, attacking things and the other half of the game is problem solving, puzzle solving. But uh, you play a character, uh, actually one of the people from Shameless, (laughs) the guy with red hair from Shameless. That's who the character is. Face modeled, voice acted all by him. Um, but you're just like a Jedi on the run. There's another sequel coming out this year. Both really, really good stories. Pretty fun to play. Difficult. So if you're not a video game player, probably put it on the easiest difficulty. Um, and the Knights of the Old Republic series was really good, too. So that's more of a role playing type game where it's your choices, your decisions, but there's some pretty cool plot twists in those games but they're very antiquated so uh (laughs) and they weren't very well made when they came out either so don't be surprised if they end up crashing on your computer and you have to keep opening them and reloading saves constantly (laughs) oh and lego star wars uh me and the wife are playing lego star wars again we've repicked it back up but uh the newest lego star wars game has a lot of faults i will say but Man, you don't get a lot of good two-player games these days unless you have a Nintendo device. But man, two players mm. split-screen Lego Star Wars never gets old. Just running around, breaking stuff, solving puzzles, looking for stuff, playing through the series. The humor is really funny. It's it's just a it's a good game. So
0: that's pretty awesome. Cause like I feel like one of the things with like the Lego Star Wars that Like I found appealing was that humor side of like they're just Mm -hmm. they're just having fun and like you're still going through everything but like you're also doing as Legos so like it's okay to like have some levity or um you know just not take yourself too seriously with it while being able to kind of work your way through that nostalgia of each of the movies
1: yeah yeah the humor is definitely made for people who have watched the movies a few times like they just take something that's small and kind of ironic and they make it into a joke which always makes me feel seen as a fan like here's a really specific example but in uh revenge of the sith when anakin is and he ends up burnt his limbs are cut off obi-wan leaves and then i think possibly even the next scene is the emperor arriving in his shuttle and it's like if you think about it like what do they pass each other on the way out you know is it that umbrella academy meme where they're both looking at each other in the car as they pass oh, each yeah. other and in lego star wars their sh- two ships literally run into each other <laughs> on the way out and it's just like so funny because like if you think about it like yeah it's weird that they would have passed each other but then in lego star wars they make a joke out of it they're like yeah they literally ran into each other on the way out <laughs> So, and there's just like small jokes like that that crack me up. Like they didn't need to put that joke in, but I appreciate that they did.
0: It goes to show like how much thought was put into it as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When there's a, that's a whole nother podcast again about the issues in the gaming industry. But the reason that that makes the game not good is not necessarily the game designers fault. They put a lot of love into the game. It's a lot of, crunch due dates you know pushing the team to try and fit things into a schedule they would have had another year or two to work on the game like those things would have been solved so it's not really the game designers fault it's more like corporate greed and trying to push a game out because a lot of the stuff just feels kind of unfinished where maybe if they had a little bit extra time it would be better but there was a lot of love put into the game and what is there is still very good
0: well that's good yeah yeah Okay, so you got a little history lesson with Star Wars. Um, Actually, I'm going to go a different way. Because I feel like a lot of times, like with different fandoms, like you have the fandoms, you have people that are very passionate about what they there is and then you have people that think kind of push it too far and gets into the toxic fandom so since sometimes i have noticed that a little bit with star wars i want to try to see if we can touch on the other side of you know bringing that kindness into it and you know kind of sort of like positive passion in a way. So with keeping all of that in mind. Tyler, what's your favorite thing about Star Wars?
1: Uh yeah, you know, that's it's very true. I'm I'm glad you brought it up because there's a expression that nobody hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. So <laughs> it's very true there's a lot of very toxic elements in the fandom uh every single trilogy that comes out there's always a vocal you know minority of people that come after them for this or for that but uh i'm a very positive fan i think that even if something isn't my favorite i still enjoy it it's still in the universe and i'm not mad at it that it exists so kind of just got to take things as they come and was the sequel trilogy perfect Eh, not really there was a lot of things that i would have changed about it that i didn't like about it but I don't know. There's still decent movies. Like you take somebody off the street. Who's not a passionate fan like me. And they probably liked it, (laughs) you know, like everybody has different tastes and different, you know, things that they like star Wars for, which is totally acceptable. But uh, I think my favorite thing about star Wars uh, maybe is the thing that a lot, a lot of the really crazy star Wars deranged YouTubers don't like is just how limitless and diverse that the universe is in Star Wars like you know a lot of the toxic folks get mad that there is you know too many characters of this race in the the franchise or whatever it is or all the crazy things but this is a universe that has unlimited amounts of alien species you know it's it's crazy like the amount of diversity that exists in this universe like I'll be honest with you. Everybody in the universe probably is just pansexual by default, right? They probably all just date whatever's interesting to them because everything is just so incredibly diverse that like everybody probably just has their own preferences in the universe. So like, anything is possible in this universe like you should never be like shocked at anything that's happening between characters like if we lived in a universe this diverse like half the problems that we worry about like socially in the country wouldn't even exist because everything would just be so crazy all the time like you know we talk about like race relations well this is species relationships like across the galaxy like you know, none of these social issues even exist in this type of a galaxy. So whenever people bring up things like that, I'm just like, bro, this galaxy is limitless. Like, <laughs> you know, trust me, gay marriage is not an issue here. Like, these are all different species. Half these species are probably asexual. They lay eggs like, <laughs> you know, none of that stuff even exists in a world like this. I. That's just what I like about the universe is that it's pretty limitless in possibilities. Like... You can tell so many different stories like i was mentioning with the books you can be a fan of dog fights and get into that you could be a fan of samurais and get into jedi you could you know be a fan of like mad max there's a, a book about captain phasma from the sequel trilogy that's basically mad max you know <laughs> there's just there's there's a star wars zombies uh book from uh the old series of books before disney bought them like you can like just about anything and find something you like. Do you like NASCAR racing? Cool. There's pod racing in the universe. Like there's, there's anything you could imagine is in the universe. And it star Wars is for anybody who wants in. There is no true star Wars fans. If you enjoy parts of it, then you're a star Wars fan. So I don't know. I just like how limitless the possibilities are in the universe. And I think a lot of the, issues that some people have with society and with the world in general just they honestly whether you want them to apply or not they don't apply in this universe because it's just such a diverse place filled with endless possibilities so yeah that's that's my (laughs) that's my rant about star wars my positive rant about star wars
0: well thank you and i think that's a great reminder because yeah that can be lost at times depending on Like, who you're talking with, or maybe like, or um, if you're like following a certain like Star Wars content creator or something, that like you're gonna have different dialogues that may be on either side of the positive to negative spectrum and seeing what I get especially from talking with you is more of that, like appreciation for those endless possibilities. And even if something's put out that may not be what you expected, you're like, okay, I'll roll with this and, you know, see where this new possibility in this wild west outer space world takes you and you know just go for the ride
1: yeah it just really makes (laughs) any type of like social politics so worthless like oh the the frog lady and the ant-man are dating in star wars like sure whatever okay like (laughs) anything is possible like nothing is nothing is weird in this universe or like you know like all of it you could tell me just about anything in star wars and be like yeah sure why not yeah (laughs) like nothing there's nothing so serious in this universe that like it has to be this way or it has to be that way you know like you could look at gay marriage in the united states and be like ah two men can't be together and then if you put that in the star wars context it's like that would be the least weird thing in this universe like what's (laughs) what could possibly be wrong with that if you know anything can happen happen here like oh in uh the solo movie lando has a, a girlfriend who's a droid sure why not why can't you be in love with a droid in star wars like what's <laughs> you know just anything can happen like and that's the that's the beauty of it is you can go on your own adventures and you know be who you want to be there's endless possibilities
0: absolutely all right tyler ree we went from deep existential thoughts to benefits and of video games all the way to, in essence, doing like a, in a way, like a deep dive, but not deep dive in Star Wars. Do you have any final thoughts for the listeners today or lessons that you would like to share?
1: Probably not. I'm just, you know, I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm happy to be here Uh, back to my point about letting the universe take you like this is, whether you want to admit it or not is a fairly prestigious podcast like most of your episodes open with this is the senior financial officer of some company this person started their own business you know this person has this title or runs this type of thing and you know i'm just i'm just some guy you know who likes to have weird talks on snapchat that you know we went to the same high school and I'm just happy to be here. You know, I just love to, I love to keep the podcast a little bit weird. You know, I think you got a lot of very intelligent people on here, but Hey, every once in a while when you're flipping through the episodes and you're learning all sorts of stuff that you can just, you know, come to an episode and be like, what in the hell are they talking about on this episode? Like, this is the strangest plot twist that's ever come on this podcast. Like, I just appreciate having the ability to have those weird conversations with you.
0: <laughs> I appreciate having you on to be able to have those weird conversations. And I feel like you do bring some smart takes in terms of like bringing another lens to different areas, whether that's with the last time with focusing a lot on like risk and opportunities and then this time going through different hypotheticals and nerding out a bit. And uh, I had another thought, but I just lost it there. but this will tie into that whole editing challenge but um,
1: yeah we'll 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 get that third that uh next the thought on our our third podcast about the the math in the United States.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, oh, um no, yeah, I appreciate you helping to keep the podcast weird and fun which um, who knows maybe one of the times do a podcast or do an episode and it's a total plot twist we're actually talking about the fictional creature of Bigfoot this time and then just go from there but I'd have to learn a little bit more because I don't know too much about
1: yeah you could say is there is there a Bigfoot in Star Wars and you could just say yeah sure why not whatever and to be fair Chewbacca is basically a Bigfoot, so <laughs> I mean, kind of.
0: True, yeah. Just has got all of them on the planet of Kashyyyk.
1: That's correct. Three Y's in Kashyyyk, everybody.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for talking about life, different lessons and areas that we can learn from it with whether that's deep existential self-reflections or going into different passion areas of playing games or, you know, different story franchises and seeing where that can take either the conversation or just, you know, what pops up and what sticks and roll with those different endless possibilities. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Now is the post-episode reflection portion of the show. And I just have a few final thoughts before officially wrap up the episode. First off, I was honored to have Tyler joined the show, be the first returning guest ever for the Bigfoot Learning Podcast. It, it was a fun time getting to talk about all the different areas that we were able to cover. We would go down different roads and yet find similar overlying paths and circle back to different areas. And overall, had a great time discussing about all those different avenues of life that are available. One of the things that did happen was before we started recording the episode, Tyler posed a challenge for this episode to see if that could be the most edited episode seen as the first episode he was a guest on. his goal was to make that episode be the longest, which at that point it was. Now it, that's been surpassed a bit. but for this time was to see that it could be the most edited episode so far. And I can confirm after finishing up all the work, it the challenge has been met. And it was fun. Especially with, you know, at some points being left a little speechless and needing to gather thoughts a little bit more. And most of the editing going down those paths and seeing, like, okay, like cutting down some of those pauses and thoughts while also keeping in mind of how pauses and silences can also be a rhythm as people are talking and conversations are moving at their own pace as point in case kind of there too and so i i found that challenge to be a fun way of being able to think over all those different areas and different ways that i would like this episode to be overall second thing I wanted to touch on is with the time machine question Tyler brought up very valid point you know our past ends up making us who we are today so for sure some of that with our former self would that end up impacting who we are now and yeah it would be interesting to turn that question around and be like, okay, you visit yourself in like a dream form. You share such and such lesson with yourself. Do you think you at that time, even after hearing that, would still go and do and heed that advice? Or would you still go down the same path that brought you to where you currently are And I think that would be an interesting way to examine that a little bit more. Then lastly, one of the things that was great was being able to discuss with Tyler the different areas that he's passionate about and likewise on my side. And so I just want to wrap up today saying, find those. Find and seek those different opportunities to be able to not only learn, but then have different fun and weird conversations with others that you have similar interests with. You have maybe not perfect, similar aligned interests, but enough that it's you can have a healthy dialogue and conversation together and be able to see where that all takes you. So on that note, find those different opportunities. Keep on learning each and every day as best you can intentionally. And until next time.